First time you've sung or heard that song, everybody pretty much knows? All right. Revelation 21, in the Bibles today, Revelation chapter 21, as the songwriter also put it, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through, my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue, the angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore, and if you as a believer are becoming more and more disgusted, for lack of a better word, with this world, then it means you're heading in the right direction, right? because this world is not our home, So, but our, we have a great home, we have a wonderful home prepared for us, and we're just going to get started uh, today, so Revelation chapter 21, um, and let's begin in verse 1, and read down through verse number 8, that's hopefully we'll get that far today. And so, uh, let's read, we follow along, Revelation chapter 21, and of course John is writing, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write. For these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Father, thank you for this time we can have in the Word today, and as we've read these verses, uh, some of the glories of heaven, and yet, Lord, it end, this, verse, this text ends with a, a, a solemn and awful warning about those who do not know Christ. And so, Lord, use the word of God, I pray, as you would see fit in our lives this day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the last two chapters of the book of Revelation are mostly about eternity, or the everlasting, or the eternal state. Um, and I would encourage you, I don't know, maybe not to try to get your brain around that, but the concept of eternity and everlasting life are totally beyond our comprehension. I mean, really, really, you know, but yet it's, the Bible assures us that there is eternity ahead, and we are going to be with the Lord in heaven forever. You know, and down here, we're not, you know, we just can't conceive of that in our mind, because um, we, and everything we know down here, has a beginning and has an ending. Yet we're going to be there. And as the hymn writer, the last verse of Amazing Grace wrote, When we've been there 10,000 years, 
bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. I know some of my friends that over the years have changed that that line to say, "When well, we've been there forevermore, we've no less days." And so that's the destination for um, the believer. And so there's some things that are going to be done, and we're going to take a look at some of these things today. Um, you know, one of the first kids' songs, and as, as I was thinking about this passage and going over it, this little chorus kept coming to my mind. Uh, with eternity's values in view, Lord, with eternity's values in view, may I do each day's work for Jesus with eternity's values in view. Anybody remember that? From, that's an oldie. An oldie, old, oldie, but a goodie. And so, this morning, I'd like to look Revelation 21, 1 through 8, and in this we'll see a new universe, a new experience, and a necessary warning, right? Let's look at the first part, verses 1 and 2, the new universe. John writes and said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, I John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. There's a lot of things there. One of the neat things about it, I was thinking in looking at these two verses, especially in verse number one, uh, it talks about the new heaven, the new earth. It talks about the first heaven, the first earth. That is the original creation. Um, and so before we look at some of those things, the word new, interesting word, um, the word new as it's translated here, as it's used here, means fresh or renewed. And so we'll take a look at a little bit of scripture in a moment about how that's going to take place. It's important to understand what's going to happen to this earth and to the universe around us. And notice it says heaven and earth, new heaven, new earth, first heaven, first earth. Um, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, first verse of the Bible, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And so in, in verses and passages having to do with creation or this new creation, and it, it, it's interesting that heaven is first. Even though they were created on day one, the, the original heaven and earth, and yet heaven is mentioned first. That's because it's from God's perspective. All right, now it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and so refurbished, redone, and we're going to save that. We're going to look at a passage here a little bit. Hopefully that will tell us about that a little bit more. But then John says, for the first heaven, that is the original heaven, and the first earth, the original earth, were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now let's talk about that for a second. No more sea because there's going to be no need for the sea. Um, and I don't take one, get into a lot of details, but obviously the sea is very important in, in this world, in this earth, evaporation, all those things, and precipitation, and all that. But it won't be necessary. It's a whole different life. And one commentator put it this way, too. The fact that there will be no sea means that there will be more land, because right now I guess the earth is covered by about, or 75% of the earth covered by water, but in that day... There won't be, and so there will be land for people, for redeemed people to live in and to enjoy. And, and again, we're just, we're, not, we're just touching the surface today, but in the next couple of Sundays, Lord willing, we will just see some of the blessings of this new place, this new city. Now, the first heaven, 
and the first earth were passed away, John says. So turn please to a couple of scriptures. Keep your place in Revelation. Please go back with me to Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah chapter 51, and there's a verse here that really is important for us to consider in this, in this day in which we live with all the stuff that's going on and that we've lived through, and, and obviously some of us who are older, we've lived through a lot of things. Um, you know, we've lived through some wars and we've lived through all kinds of, you know, uh, uh, gloom and doom and all kinds of predictions and all that sort of thing. And, and I remember when I was a little kid, just starting in school, um, <clears throat> one of the places that I went was the little, the red brick building, which is in Tunkhannock. It's still there, amazingly. And I remember that we had to go, once in a while, the teacher would take us down into the basement. Anybody want to guess what was down in the basement in the early 60s? There was a fallout shelter. There was a bomb shelter. They had these little, remember the, I don't know how many of you remember those little circles with, you know, you go somewhere, and that little sign meant that there was a bomb shelter in the basement because we were really concerned about Cuba and Russia and all that kind of thing. And so I remember the, the fear. I remember riding home on the school bus as a second grader, listening to the older kids talking about that we're going to you know, the man's going to destroy the world, Russia's going to destroy everything. And I just remember being so scared as a little boy about what was going to happen. And so I said all that, and there's been many others. There's been many others of those kinds of situations where predictions are being made and man's going to destroy the world. And, and so now today we, we have the Save the Earth movement and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so Isaiah chapter 51 is a tremendous verse of Scripture that puts everything in perspective. Notice how uh, what this verse says. And before I read it, remember this was written about 700 years before Christ, and so about 2,700 years ago, when, un, you know, there were not a lot of, there was not a lot of evidence, um, physical evidence. I'm sure the earth was a lot different 2,700 years ago than it is today. But, notice what it says, lift up your eyes to the heavens, in other words, get God's perspective. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. That's a simple thing. But in this day and age, there's so many who want to put the, elevate the earth above everything. Save our mother, you know. Save the earth and, and all this kind of stuff. Well, the Bible says this. The earth is never above the heaven. The earth is never elevated. God always keeps the earth in its perspective. And he says this. This is what he says about the heavens, notice, for the heavens, that is the atmosphere around us, the universe around us, shall vanish away like smoke. And the earth shall wax old like a garment. In other words, it's going to wear out, it's going to grow old, it's going to decay, and we're seeing it. And not that we should try to destroy the world or all those kind of things or pollute and that sort of thing. We ought to avoid that to the best of our ability. And folks, listen, there is no way that this earth will be saved. There is no way that this planet is going to be saved. So all this goofy stuff and the millions they're spending, wasting millions of dollars on this whole climate change nonsense and all that sort of thing, 
Um, by the way, again, when I was a teenager, the warning was we're going to have another ice age. We're all going to freeze to death. Now they're saying it's warm. You know, really, it's gone up one degree in the last 300 years. So we've got to watch up there. We've got really worried about that. But to me, the epitome of arrogance is to think that we have an effect on this universe in that way. And so the Bible says it's going to happen. It will wax old like a garment. The earth is wearing out. And of course, it started with the fall of man. And, sorry, they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. What matter? We're, gonna, we're wasting away. I don't like to hear about that. But it's true. Death. But, here's the thing. It's, it's heartbreaking that these millions running around this country, they have no clue about this. But my salvation shall be forever. And my righteousness shall not be abolished. See, that nothing can touch that. All right, now, <clears throat> let's go to, I have a couple of places I want us to go. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Because we're still commenting on that verse, the passage in Revelation, where John says the new heaven and the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. All right, let's go through and look at a little, a little bit about 2 Peter chapter 3. Um, let's pick it up in verse number 3. Is this happening? 2 Peter 3 3. Knowing this first, in other words, this is where you, this is where you got to start. Mark it down, settle it, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. None of those around, right? No scoffers today? Seems like everybody's a scoffer. Uh, walking after their own lust. And again, this is not the point of the message as such, but here's the real problem. Here's the real reason people believe in evolution, because they don't want to believe in God because they know they're accountable and they want to live according to their lusts. One of the great, I shouldn't say great, one of the leading evolutionists, um, his name escapes me right now, Dawson, um, he made that statement. I have it on record, I have it on video. He said, we believe in evolution because we want it to be true, because we don't want there to be a God, because if there's a God, we're accountable. If there's a God, there's sin and there's punishment. We don't want that. So whether it's scientific, whether it's believable or not, we really don't care. We want it to be true. Right? Scoffers. What are they scoffing about? And saying, where is the promise of his coming? About uh, 20 years ago, Janet Reno was the, whatever she was, Secretary of State, released. She was at a press conference. They asked her about cults and so on. Must have been some shooting or something. And she said one of the leading examples of cult beliefs is the belief that Jesus Christ is coming back to earth. So way back then, that's how she labeled all of us. Scoffers, right? Where is the promise of his coming? For since the, the fathers fell asleep, that is the patriarchs way back when, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. They teach that. That's what evolutionism is all about. Gradual change over millions and billions of years. No catastrophes, nothing to upset. Just the flow of things. By the way, that is a doctrine that is called uniformitarianism. It's being propagated all over the place today. School, elementary schools, high schools, colleges, that is secular public education. They're all about evolution. 
They're all against creation. And so this is what they're saying. And even though the evidence cries out, oh, the Grand Canyon? Hmm, that's, that's not an example of a catastrophe. No, the Grand Canyon was formed by a little, by the river over billions of years. Yeah, right. All right? Uh, anyway, we, I better get on here. But here's it. Here it is, verse 5. For this they willingly, get that, this they willingly are ignorant of. Right? They choose to be ignorant. That by, now here's what I want here. I read all these a couple verses here to get to this. How did the universe begin? Where did the earth come from? Do you see what it says? That by the word of God, the heavens, that is the universe, were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. So by the word of God, and he's referring back here, he referring here back to Genesis chapter 1, where it talks about those early verses of chapter 1. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth, the earth without form and void, and darkness upon the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. God said, let there be light, and so on. So you read in Genesis 18, I forget, or Genesis chapter 1, several times, I think 12 or 13 times, we read in Genesis 1, God said... And there was. All right? Now keep your finger here, and I want us to quick go back to Psalm 33. All right? We'll come right back here in a second. But Psalm 33, <clears throat> uh, Psalm 33, and notice what it says here concerning creation. Verse 6, Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Day one. All right? And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Now the host there could mean planets and so on, but most often it refers to the angels. But it could it's probably has a general statement of everything in the heavens. In verse, uh, verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. In other words, God spoke it into existence. And it was, it was as if, I mean, it was perfectly, as he, as he created, as he spoke, you know, the birds and the fish and the trees and everything, they were, they were immediately formed and fully mature. Fruit on the trees already. God planted that garden, put that in there. The tree already full of food. And so that's how God made it. But he, think about it. We, he made it by his word. He simply spoke. And it happened. All right? Do we really believe that? We need. We must. That's, that's the power of God, the power of his word. Now let's go back to 2 Peter chapter 3, because that's not all the passage uh, says about the word of God. <clears throat> no, notice, again, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Verse 6, whereby, in other words, the, by, by the same power, the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. That's talking about the flood of Noah's day. How did the flood happen? God spoke it. His word, he commanded. 
And all those things happened back in Genesis 6. You know, the fountains of the great deep were broken up, the windows of heaven opened, so on and so forth. All those things. And, and uh, I believe, and I think two years ago, uh, Alan Dunkley was here doing one of his creation seminars. And he mentioned something I'd never really thought about before, but it makes perfect sense, that the earth is still suffering the effects of the flood. The cracks and everything that, have, that happened back in those days, the volcanoes and all that stuff, it was a huge, just breaking up and cracking up and all kinds of things. And that's you know, one of the reasons all the earthquakes, storms, everything going on. It's still because of the, the effects of the flood. All right, now, so there we go. We have, the, we have the original earth. We have the flooded earth. Then verse 7, we have the, the universe today, right? The present universe. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, right? See the, see the next phrase, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So what Peter's writing about here is that the, the universe as we know it today, by the same word, is being kept, it's being preserved. Yes, it's wearing out gradually and so on and so forth, but... God has an appointment for this universe. So Russia or Korea or the United States or whoever else might come to power and get all these weapons, they, they will not destroy the earth. God says it right here. He's keeping it by his word. Wow, imagine that. That's some power, folks. And really the same, this, we could look up, we won't take time to do this, do this today, but we could look up several passages that talk about this book is the, is the Word of God. This book is powerful, right? And so we praise the Lord for His Word. All right, now, let's go on. A couple more verses, and we'll kind of wrap things up back in Revelation 21. Uh, but beloved, <clears throat> verse 8, be not ignorant of this one thing, that is in light, in light of the scoffing and all that sort of thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So basically we could say, there's a lot of stuff we could say about that. The first one is that God does not view things like we do. Right? Um, so, but yet in the Bible there is time. There are many times in Scripture where it talks about time periods. For example, the Bible says that Christ, when he comes back, will reign upon the earth for 1,000 years. Right? That's, that's, just, that's just what the scripture says. But what he's saying here is that the Lord is not slack, verse 9, concerning his promise. So if a 1,000 years is as a day, all right, then Jesus has been gone about two days, 2,000 years. We can, we can look at it that way. In God's reckoning, right? But, or, or sorry, the, verse 9, the Lord is not slack, you know, he's not, he, he's not uh, wrong, or he's not uh, letting things go, and, and so on, concerning his promise. He's not powerless, as some men count slackness. So what promise? The promise of his coming. <clears throat> but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if there is a delay, that says it right in the verse, right? It's not because God has forgotten his promise or is powerless to bring it to pass. 
But according to this verse, there's only there's one reason why the Lord hasn't come back yet. Right? And what does it say? He's long-suffering to us, usward, to mankind, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so God is keep giving opportunity for people to be saved. And therefore, giving us opportunity to spread his word. Right? But, 10, here we go, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Ah, there you go. That's what John's talking about when he said the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. All right? John saw it, obviously, as a prophecy. He saw it in the future. As we are here today, it's still in the future. It hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen. Um, I, I think if, when you put everything in perspective, it's probably going to happen after the millennium. That's going to be the final purging. But notice what it says. Um, the, the, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. So there's going to be, a, there's going to be an explosion, explosive type of thing. Um, Colossians 1.16 tells us that Christ, all things, by him all things consist. That is, all things are held together. He's holding the atoms and the molecules of all the elements. It's interesting that I think it's great. Peter was no scientist. Peter was not a nuclear physicist, but he's right on the money as far as atomic fission, the splitting of atoms and so on, because that's exactly what happens in these steps. It's amazing. Well, it shouldn't be, I mean, because it's God's word. It wasn't Peter's word. It was the word of God. So he's looking, Peter's writing about, I'm sure something he had no clue about, Maybe except God might have explained it to him. So the heavens, the universe around us, will pass away with a great noise. It'll be a huge release of energy. The elements, and that's a, that's a neat word, because when we, we didn't have to do this, thank God. When I was in school, we didn't, we didn't have to learn those elements. Remember that the periodic table of elements? Isn't that interesting? The Bible uses the same word here. It uses elements. Like, you know, carbon and hydrogen and all those other oxygen, all those things. The elements will melt in a nuclear reaction. There's a huge melting. There's a huge blast. And there is a ball of fire. All right? The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And so God's going to, really, in the power of God, he is going to use this burning and all that to purge the heavens and earth, the universe and the earth, of all the taints of sin and death and corruption. It's all going to be wiped out. And then he says this, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, everything, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, Wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. In other words, he's saying this. What manner of persons ought we to be? We ought to be holy. We ought to be godly. We ought to be heavenly, not worldly, and so on. And we're looking for that. We're looking according to his promise. 
In this, in this day and age, man, I'll tell you what, that's, that's not much for some people. But hey, what? The promises of God? God never breaks His promise. All right, Revelation 21. Go back, let's go back there real quick and uh, take a look at a few things. Revelation chapter 21. Um, now John sees, <clears throat> and it's one of the few times that John says, and I, John, most of the time in Revelation, he says, I saw, I heard, now it's I, John. It was, this is like a, he's a sworn affidavit. I saw, I, John, the apostle, the disciple of the Lord, saw this. I saw the holy city. New Jerusalem. So isn't that neat? Throughout all eternity, we're going to be reminded of Jerusalem and how special that name and that city was to God. I mean, of all the things God could have chosen, he choose, choose, chose to name the eternal city New Jerusalem. That's, that speaks volumes. Coming down from God out of heaven. So the picture is, this city comes down from heaven. And as we'll see later on in these couple chapters, it looks as if it's going to be suspended between heaven and earth. Right? And, and so on. And whether the distance is the same as it is today, we, we don't know that. But it says this, as a bride prepared, as a bride adorned for her husband. So God is going to adorn this city. So it's for the redeemed and the redeemer to dwell in. By the way, do you notice in verse number two, it says prepared as a bride adorned for husband. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions that were not so have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. This is the place. This is the city that Jesus is preparing. Amen. Prepared as a bride adorned for husband. All right, now, <clears throat> so that brings me to the second thing here in this passage. That is, that is a new experience. Something that we're going to find in the New Jerusalem that we've never experienced before. Now, the people of Jesus' day experienced it just a tiny bit. But we're going to see this. Notice, verse 3, And I, 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 heard, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now, God, God dwells with us today in the person of the Holy Spirit. But in that day, he's, we're gonna, we're, he's gonna personally be with us, right? So he's gonna dwell. He's gonna dwell. And so it's the redeemed people and their redeemer are going to dwell together. And again, that will look, we'll save it more on that till we get through more into chapter 21 and into chapter uh, 22. But God himself, his dwelling will be with us, literally. And then, Notice deliverance. You know, and notice what won't be in the city. Notice what will not be in the new Jerusalem. Verse 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Okay? <clears throat> Maybe they, may, will there be tears at the judgment? Maybe. Because <clears throat> that's before this. When, there's, when we have, we, there may be shame because of what we haven't done for the Lord. But, at any rate, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. 
Notice, there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. No pain. No sorrow, no death. Can you, how many can, oh, can you go like this? I have to admit, I have a hard time going like that. Like this. Some of us have pain every day. And again, that's not, that's, well, that's another story, but pain is part of our life, all right? But in heaven, in that new Jerusalem, there won't be any. No dying, no more funerals. It seems like lately, but a lot of folks have passed away. Um, some folks that we know. I just got word a couple days ago that the director of Tri-State, Chris Jenkins, his mom, went home to be the Lord. She had surgery and they were doing things and then she went home everything seemed fine. Just like that, she died. Right? Brother Griffith, Pastor Griffith, and um, others, I'm th- some are slipping my mind. But you know what? There won't be any more death in heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So death will be banished. Right? No, neither sorrow nor crying, and the idea of crying there is that, that wailing and sobbing because of sorrow and pain and death and separation. Like the hymn, Here our fondest hopes are vain, dearest links are rent in twain. <coughs> and when, when I heard, got the news that Chris's, Chris Jenkins' mom had passed away, Chris had brought, brought back to my memory when my dear mom went to be the Lord. I, I still think about her Especially when, you know, when, when, because of the piano and how great she did. But you know what? That's not going to happen in heaven anymore. So most of us here have lost loved ones. Probably everybody in this room. But you know, he says, <clears throat> it's all former things are passed away. He that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And we're going to look at some of the new things as we go through this. Not today. And he said unto me, it is done. In other words, it's, it's as good as done. It's accomplished. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega. Alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega, the last letter, meaning that Jesus Christ, God, is the beginning. He's the end. He's everything in between. He's everything. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And so there's an invitation even in this talking about eternal things, and it's repeated again in chapter 22, the invitation to come. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Freely. There's a whole other message in there. The bounty of God spiritually that he's provided for us in the word of God, and it's free. It's free from taking. He that overcometh, Again, talking about the things down here. We, it's a reminder. Shall inherit all things. So we get an inheritance. All things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. That's, the, that's what's going to be like in heaven. Between God and the people of God and Lord Jesus Christ. And this wonderful dwelling and fellowship and experience for, forever and ever. And again, it talks, it'll talk about more as we go through the... the uh, rest of this chapter and in chapter number 22. And of course, seeing Jesus face to face is going to be the greatest thing of all. But then this, this text closes and we close the message today with a necessary warning. 
Verse 8 starts with but. So in other words, in contrast, everybody's not going to be there. Many people will not be there. Jesus said this, that the straight is the gate, narrow is the way, that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. We need to be sure, because not everybody who says they're a Christian, oh, that's too easy today, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Jesus said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter. Right? And so it's more than just saying I'm a Christian. You, you know that. We need to have received Christ as our Savior and committed ourselves, our lives, unto Him. And so here he gives a list of some things, some people, some lifestyles, some characteristics that will be shut out of heaven. Oh, but the fearful. The word fearful there means cowardly, timid, afraid to come to Christ because they think of the cost, whatever. I've dealt with people over the years. I don't know if the guy ever did get saved. I'd like to, but I'm just afraid. Well, shut out. Unbelieving. That literally means without faith. Refusing to believe the gospel. Refusing to trust in Christ. I'll make it my own way. I think my good works outweigh the bad, I'll get in. So you know, all these kind of ideas. Unbelieving, no faith. Right? Number three, the abominable. That means... Uh, evil, detestable, living a vile life. And there are many who live that way. And that's their life. And so it keeps them from God. Number four, murderers. And that's pretty, pretty obvious. Those who murder, who take lives, violent, that type of thing. Literal murderers are, are mainly in view here. And obviously there's much violence and murder in our society today. No murderers up there. No murderers in heaven. Um, whoremongers, that's the immoral. It's a word, actually it's a, it's a word from which we get our English word, it's the Greek word pornos, we get our English word pornography. So all the immorality that's being practiced and portrayed and all these things, those who live that lifestyle, they won't, they won't, be, there, they won't be there. They won't be there. All right? Sorcerers. Sorcerers are those involved in witchcraft, occultism, a wizardry, that sort of thing. It's interesting that the word translated sorcerers here is the Greek word from which we get our English word pharmacy. And so a lot of times, most of the time, it involves the use of drugs, spells, potions, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and that's a whole other thing. I, I, I suspect that God is pretty, God is very unhappy with what, with what is being done to the children today in our country, drugged up and doped up and zombied up because they can't sit still, that's, that's a dangerous thing. It really is. It's no wonder these kids grew up to be heroin addicts. I'm telling you, you understand something if you're already, there's, a, there's as, as much or worse of a drug problem with legal drugs today than there is illegal drugs, all right? And so this is the whole thing, this whole pharma, pharma, you know, uh, pharmakia is the word in Greek, but here it's sorcery, controlling people through drugs and all that sort of thing, and spells, all that kind of thing. None of those in heaven. And then it says, um, idolaters, that's pretty plain. False worship, those who worship other gods besides the God of the Bible, who trust in anybody other than Christ. Um, there's many of those, all kinds of religions. We've got to watch it because we're being pressured all the time to accept all religions as equally valid. Well, that's, that's not true. In fact, there's really... There's only two religions in the world. There's Bible, Christianity, and everything else. Right? All right, so what else we got? One more. All liars. Liars is simply those who are fake, those that are false, I mean, those that have no truth 
in their life. Again, this is talking about a lifestyle. If you're taking notes, you might want to jot down 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, where it talks about all these people. It says, none of them will be in heaven, but then it says, such were some of you. So these people can be saved, but if they die in this condition, they will be shut out of the New Jerusalem. And so they shall have their part or their portion or their destiny in the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And so you have to see, understand, and there's, there's other warnings, but the thing that really impressed me about this is the fact that in these two chapters, which are mostly about the blessings of heaven, yet the urgency was for the Holy Spirit to lay it upon John's heart and mind to give these warnings, to give these warnings, all right? Yeah, we need, we need to take it to heart. And if you're not sure where you stand with the Lord today, we're here to help you. But I believe also that just needs, we need to be reminded of what we're here in this earth, on this earth for. So I trust that you see the reality and seriousness of this message. Um, and you know, believers, we need to live for the Lord, looking forward to the blessings of the new heaven um, and the new earth. And so even as Peter wrote about that, we look, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Praise the Lord for what is ahead for us. And so may God help us. May it be a blessing and encouragement. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this time we can have in thy word. We thank you for uh, the Lord Jesus Christ who made this all possible, the blessings of salvation, including eternity in heaven. Help us all, help me, dear Lord, and all of us just to take seriously the warning of verse 8, Lord, about the lake of fire. So just be with us, guide us now, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's take our hymn books, let's just do this, we'll sing, um, sing a verse or two of hymn number 194. I trust that you are among those who have been born again, and you can say yes. I've trusted Christ as my Savior, and I know Him, and I know I'm going to heaven. And if you can't say that, we'd love the opportunity to help you today. So hymn number 194, and we'll sing that, and you may stand, please. And then we'll um, just pray. Briefly, uh, we'll remember our Lord's <clears throat> broken body and His shed blood. Think about, we just got a little glimpse of heaven today, just some of the things basically that won't be there, the death, the sorrow. But let's say uh, verse 1 and 3, please. 1 and 3 is a great reminder, you, you must be born again. A rumor once came to Jesus by night to ask him the way of salvation and love. The Master made answer in words true and plain, ye must be born again, ye must be born again, ye must be born again, I Oh, ye 
and sing with the ransom the song of the blessed. The life everlasting, if he would obtain, he must be born again. He must be born again. He must be born again. I verily, verily say unto Amen. All right.